You're listening to the ODI podcast. I'm Emma Thwaites and with me is Dr. Wen Hua Lee, the Chief Executive of the charity Action Against Age-Related Macular Degeneration, one of the consortium partners in the Insight Digital Innovation Hub. All quite a mouthful. So Lee, what is the Insight Digital Innovation Hub? So, first of all, thank you, Emma, for inviting me here. The Insight Digital Innovation Hub it is set up to become a platform, a resource, where data related or data collected from ophthalmology and optometrist practice can be used and therefore interrogated to bring new insights, new ideas, understanding perhaps the diseases, and in a safe and secure manner. So individuals in organizations can access data in a safe and secure manner, uh, without compromising uh, the participants' privacy. You used a couple of quite clinical terms there. Yes. Are we talking about, is this about eye health? Is that primarily what this is focusing primarily on? Primarily, yes. Um, the idea behind Insight is that there are quite a few, it's so many different ways we can actually measure or gather data through the eyes. Of course, primarily, as everybody knows, when you go to optician, you think that just to check whether you have glaucoma or any of the ocular conditions, or also for prescription, yeah, for your, your new glasses, your contact lenses. But what we've realized more and more so is that through the eye, you can in fact detect many other different biological processes that happen in your body. So for instance, there's a recent study uh, looking at using eye scans and then comparing it with the data set, with the external data set, where you have records of whether somebody has or not Alzheimer's. Using those two data sets, the scientists managed to figure out a way to use eye scans to diagnose Alzheimer's disease. So just because we said just the eye, it does not have to be only glasses or ocular conditions. It can be can be much further extended to other indications. So in this sense, what Insight is there to do is to open almost this as a new window for new therapeutics, new diagnostics, new ways of tracking diseases. And who's going to do this? Well, the entire innovation ecosystem. That's why it's so exciting. We're not putting barriers. We are just trying to let people explore and find the best way to use these data sets. Your passion for the potential of this comes through very clearly. I wonder what's led you to this point? Yes. Uh, well, I, I join efforts to figure out new treatments, new medicines, because I myself, my brother, I have a brother with autism. So there's nothing to, if you like, putting inverted commas, cure autism or treat autism. When you look carefully on what are the conditions that are amenable to be treated nowadays, it's staggering. We have so many conditions that we can treat or manage nowadays. But on the other hand, there's so many more for which there's no solution. So what brought me into this space of drug discovery was the anxiety of knowing that one day, myself, someone in my family, will hit a disease for which there's no cure. And I think that's, com that's the same thing for everybody. One day we will all become patients of a disease for which there's no treatment. And I wouldn't 
be able to sleep at night knowing that I did not do anything to solve that. So I went to a career in science. So I'm trained as a geneticist and molecular biologist and also structural biology. So with this suit of uh, scientific expertise, I was always involved in trying to find new ways to discover new medicines. That's when, and I spent a long time working in different countries on the same similar problems, and ultimately bringing, realizing that in order to fulfill, in order to plug some of these knowledge gaps, it's important to bring new stakeholders, more people who work in different fields, right, who can actually bring all their knowledge together to tackle one problem. Instead of only saying the biochemist will solve this or the pharmaceutical uh, companies will solve that, it has to be a joined up effort. So I spend a lot of time doing both research and also trying to set up large consortia to try to tackle those problems. Last job before AAAMD, or Action Against Age-Related Macular Degeneration, which we Let's call it. Let's call it AAAMD. <laughs> um, so before joining AAAMD, I spent a lot of time working on open science because we understand that anything we do, we want to make it open and available as fast as possible so more people can build on top of that work and accelerate those rates of drug discovery. That's when AAAMD was formed, right, by a completely independent group. And in this case, were four different charities in the UK, Blind Veterans UK, Scottish War Blinded, the Macular Society, and Fight for Sight. So the first three, they provide services for sight loss, and Macular Society also funds research. And it's the same thing with Fight for Sight, which is a research-only charity for sight loss. They all came together and saw that the biggest challenge going forward is actually age-related macular degeneration, AMD, which is a progressive uh, disease that actually robs patients from their sight when they are further down their age. So older people will have a larger incidence of those disease. And what that does is actually you cannot see, so, or, or, so basically your eyes start to lose your central vision. A big patch develops. So you cannot face forward and see things in front of you. Just a ring around it. So that's, it's not nice, of course. Right? Um, recent research have shown that of all many conditions, the first one that most people are afraid of is cancer. But the second one really is sight loss. Surprisingly, even more than dementia, rationale here is that, well, if I have dementia, I wouldn't know it. But if I lose my sight, I lose my dependence, especially at a later age, when you become more frail, and all of a sudden you are more dependent on anybody else, everybody else, right? So it's a very challenging. Uh, Do we know how many people um, in the UK or worldwide are likely to be affected by those degenerative diseases of the eye? Yes. So AMD specifically. There are some market projections to say that it's about 8 million people in the UK, right? But that's a very vague number because what we don't understand is the disease at its early stages. We understand the disease well, AMD, at its late stages. And that's why you have only one treatment. And that treatment alone 
really helps about just 3% for these 8 million people. And at a very high cost to the NHS, because that involves an injection into an eyeball every other month. And per injection, it costs an average 800 pounds to the NHS. So at 800 pounds injection, that is a serious hit on the NHS budget. The NHS, on the drug alone, spends about half a billion pounds wow. just to help 255,000 people. So when AAAMD was formed, all these four charities said, what we want to do is not to create yet another kind of firefighting drug mm -hmm. which will address only the late stage. We have a very good drug for that. But it's really to understand what causes the disease and whether there's any way that we can actually stop the disease before it goes downhill into the late stage, which is the site loss, site threatening stage. And I guess there's other value attached to that, right? So it's not just about treating a condition, it's about treating all of the quality, loss of quality of life that might surround that, the dependency yes. that the person might then have. Yes, correct. And of course, you're absolutely right, Emma, not only it treats disease, but what we don't realise is perhaps the incidence or the level of uh, mental health issues that comes together with sight loss, especially at an advanced age. So how do you hope that, that data, data about us, data about patients, can mm -hmm. better be used to tackle this condition, this set of conditions? What we want to do, Emma, is to try to gather data as early as possible so we can understand how the disease develops. The tragedy at the moment is that our hospitals are already overloaded with people going into secondary care. What happens is that the protocol, if you go to optometrist on High Street, in, 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 if they find out that you have early signs that might indicate you have AMD, these people are just not referred to the hospitals, right? Because there's no treatment for them. The recommendation is that only if the patient or whoever you're seeing in the optometrist chain or in the optometrist practice, practice has a sign of the late stage disease, then you refer to the hospital. Now, that means that the data we have in the hospital, it's only of those people who already have the late stage disease. So we don't have any data on early or how the disease really develops or the eye health degrades over time. Right? We're trying to fix something for which we don't know how it evolved. So that's why it's important not only to get access to the data that exists already in hospitals, and thankfully we have lots of that, but also trying to pave the way that we can start collecting this data in a safe and secure manner to ensure everybody's privacy and to make this data set available for more researchers to understand disease. So that's where the big data, data collection, can really help. Of course, there's, there's been a lot of controversy over the use and some might argue the misuse of patient data particularly. Do you think people really understand the potential at this point of the better use of data about them in, in mm. providing better health care, more sustainable health care long into the future? Mm. To be honest with you, I don't think they do. And I, to be honest, I don't think many of the 
even scientists, can foresee how this can be done. We have an idea, uh, the, the companies have an idea, but it has never been done before, isn't it? And what really doesn't help are, I would say, some irresponsible uh, uh, communication strategy which tends to prey on fear. So everybody would have heard or read about the collaboration between DeepMind and Royal Free here in London on how the data was misused. But that's really the only time you hear that again and again and again hammered into everybody's uh, uh, ears. But what the comms the media have not been very good is really to showcase the, the, the progress that many of the experimental approaches have been done and that can be quickly implemented, hopefully in the near future, uh, that will benefit a lot the, the society. Um, out of that collaboration comes out a app called Streams. And if you ask the nurses, the doctors, they all say that it's actually very useful. Uh, another collaboration which also involved the DeepMind, this time more fields, using, and that's why I was really proud, using uh, ocular scans. So they've trained and come up with the algorithm that performs as good as the best consultant in the Morfield Eye Hospital, which is a reference hospital in Europe. Now, the doctor will have 24 hours a day to help patients, and just one doctor, this best doctor. Imagine that the algorithm can be copied again and again and put in every scanner. That will really enhance the capability of all the optometrists to perhaps perform a diagnosis almost as good as the best consultants at Moorfield. So that could really help the entire society, the patients, and more importantly, and that's something that's very interesting, in 2016, there were approximately 7,000 cases of urgent, wet AMD. Please refer to Moorfields. 7,000. Out of the 7,000 cases that went to Moorfield, only 800 proved to be correct. 800. That means with almost 90% uh, rate of error. What is the consequence of that? The consequence of that is that it pushes the waiting list to see a consultant all the way down to six, seven, eight weeks. Whereas when you have that diagnostics of wet AMD, you could be blind overnight. You have to see your doctor within six to 10 days. Just because of inaccuracy in the diagnostics, we are pushing this waiting list to a very dangerous length. That means that many people probably are becoming blind without having to. As inefficiency in the system. Now imagine if these algorithms could be rolled out on high street, and we just send the people who really need the treatment. In a chance, we'll have so much more uh, efficiency at the back of zero pounds, right? So I think we should be talking more and more about, educating more and more people about the value of one, sharing the data, and two, when data is shared, what we can actually build, what we can actually bring forth. If this project is a success, what do you hope will be the ultimate outcome? Well, I hope the ultimate outcome, at least already from just the ophthalmology, uh, from the eye scans perspective, is that hopefully we will understand many of the conditions much, much better. 
we will be able to find early markers of disease, right? Early signs of disease much more efficiently. Uh, and who knows, in the future, these could even tell us which might be the mechanisms causing these diseases so we can go around and try to find new treatments for those. That's the, that's the from the pharmacological drug discovery point of view, uh, a great, that would have been a great uh, uh, outcome. But on the back of that, imagine now that we can use eye scanners also to detect many other conditions. I mentioned already Alzheimer's, but there are studies looking at cardiovascular conditions, renal conditions, even inflammation, and neurodegeneration. So what if, instead of actually having to queue up for months and months to, to wait for a consultant specialist to put you through an MRI scan, very complex uh, kind of uh, examinations, you can just go to your high street, sit on a little chair, five seconds later, and literally just five seconds later, you have the 3D scan of your eye, and that can tell you what your risk of having certain disease, whether you should be going to the doctor or not. And also, already with those machines on the high street, NHS could actually do a lot of tracking diseases using this network that's already there. So for the patient, it's so much more convenient, right? You pop into the shopping mall, have a seat at the optometrist, quick check, all good, go back, carry on with your life. If you find something, you're referred, so much less risk of having very complicated, uh, um, well, having complications due to misdiagnosis or going to the hospital too late. So we do see this as a potential game changer for the entire spectrum, not only our, 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 uh, eye disease, but actually many more conditions as well. Lee, that's a fantastic way to end this edition of the podcast. Thank you so much. You've really given us a sense of the ambition that you have in mind for Insight and, um, and, and very best of luck with it. Thank you very much, Emma. Very, very happy and very excited to be working with the ODI in building those data trusts. So watch this space. I think we have much more. We will have many more, much more uh, good stories to share in the future. I agree. Thank you. Thank you.